0: I will say this movie did lose one point for me because of the fact that before the movie started, in my head, not out loud to you guys, but I'm like, do not have a character do the whole, these people have no idea what's coming speech. Uh, and Zachary Quinto gives it in the car, and I'm like, no! <laughs> and it wasn't even like subtle, it was just like, he's like... I he looks like uh, Sylvia Plath or something. It's just like, oh, these people have no idea. They will be better off in an oven. Like, it's <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, it's just so. Gosh. Speak to me as if you were speaking to a small child. I watched Batman the Killing Joke.
1: <laughs> yeah, I saw that.
0: Saw so you loved it. I would have actually given it better ratings had it not been so wildly. uh Awful.
2: (laughs) Yes,
1: welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank we discussed the first JC Chandor full-length film which was
2: 2011's margin call. Oh Mr. Sullivan you're here maybe you could tell me what you think is going on here and please speak as you might to a young child. It wasn't brains that got me here i can show sure you that.
1: If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook Twitter and Instagram at Film Tank show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hey there, everybody, and welcome in to episode 80 of Film Tank. I am Alex Diekman, along with Nick Cheney and Toussaint Egan. Yeah! Alright. Who you get a margin call?
2: Who are you gonna Jeremy
1: Irons. <laughs> That's Paul pretty good. Bet- uh,
2: Paul well, Bettany! I
1: like, I like it. I thought Jeremy Irons had a better ring name. Yeah. Are you gonna margin call? Jeremy Irons. Did <laughs> it you have to say in the Jeremy Irons voice though, of course. Jeremy Irons. <laughs> that is a good voice. Yeah. He has a great voice. He yeah. does. Not not me impersonating him. This is very bad. J Dog. Yeah. Uh we'll get more into uh Jeremy Irons a little bit later. We're getting uh, really into him. Oh, yeah. But uh, we're, we are going to actually just jump right into talking about Margin Call on this episode. Uh, this was directed by J.C. Chandor. He has not done a lot of full-length films. This was his first, and then he's actually uh, only done two since then, which was uh, All is Lost with Robert Redford. And A Most Violent Year, uh, which had Oscar Isaac and also Jessica Chastain, which uh, both of those are really good. A Most Violent Year is a fantastic film, if anyone out there uh, ever gets a chance to see it. We actually have a poster for that film in our studio, believe it's right it behind not. me. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is, uh, it's a knockoff from somewhere, but that's okay. <laughs> but it's a really nice-looking knockoff. Well, yeah. It, it, Wait, what do you mean? Not like the poster? The yeah, like it's not like a like a nicely printed poster. Oh, I can see some of the scenes, I gotcha. yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's not great. But it is a poster that says the most violent year and has Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain on it. So, it's aesthetically appealing. We can't hear you, Nick. So. I know. I'm sorry. I was looking at the poster. <laughs> so, yeah, those both of those films are quite good. And if you have the means, I would suggest uh, checking both of them out. But uh, this, I did. this, for yeah, I know you've seen all of his films as as I have, and I know Toussaint's uh, going to need to catch up at some point, or yeah. maybe he won't need to. I don't know. Yeah. But this film, Margin Call, uh, <laughs> follows the key people in an investment bank during a 24-hour period in the early stages of the 2008 financial crisis.
0: Mr. Dale, these are extraordinary times, as you very well must know.
1: I don't understand.
0: The majority of this floor is being let go today.
1: Eric, I'm very sorry I was working on something, but they wouldn't let me finish it So, take a look at it Be careful
2: I need you guys to come back up here. Wait a second. Just trust me, okay? I need you guys back here now. Wait a minute. What am I looking at? This figure here. Whoa, is that? It gets ugly in a hurry. Is that figure right? Looks pretty right to me.
1: There are $8 trillion of paper around the world relying on that
2: equation.
0: But we were wrong.
2: No, you mean you were wrong. Sir, if those assets decrease by just 25% that loss would be greater than the current market capitalization of this entire company how long would it take to clear that from our books you cannot be doing what you're thinking of doing sell it all today you're selling something that you know has no value so that we may survive there are three ways to make a living in this business be first be smarter or cheat Look at these people, wandering around with absolutely no idea what's about to happen. You're a very important piece of this puzzle. Are you in on this? I can't tell you that people are going to say some very nasty things about what we do here today. If we're going down, and you damn well know it'll be together. I'm not sure that I do know that. The ground is shifting below our feet. Remember this day, boys. Remember this day.
1: The film stars ready. Ready? Oh, yeah. Okay. The film stars Kevin Spacey, Zachary Quinto, Stanley Tucci, Paul Bettany, Jeremy Irons, Penn Badgley, Simon Baker, Mary McDonnell, and Demi Moore.
2: That Uh, is an all-star list.
1: There's actually some really good performers in there. Uh, This is definitely an ensemble film, as uh, there is really no star here. Uh, I guess if you wanted to talk about somebody who has the most screen time, it would probably be Zachary Quinto. Hmm. Um, hmm. I guess I was gonna say Paul Bettany, but I yeah, but he's definitely not the star. No, no, but I, just meant, yeah. but I was, I guess I was because he's
0: kind of wrapped up in the finale. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I mean, yeah, it's really hard to argue for anybody.
1: Sure. Uh, so yeah, this is a an ensemble film, uh, definitely a uh, dramatic. I wouldn't call it thriller. This is kind of a weird genre. I guess this is a...
2: It is sort of a thriller because they're so, so to speak, they're racing against the clock, trying to figure out what the hell is they're going to do. Yeah, it's a
0: thriller in the same sense, like uh, Glenn, uh, Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross is a thriller. Like if you find it thrilling to find, just uh, to, to see a depiction of bad people try to unload their uh, cheap ass wealth on unsuspecting victims, then uh, it is thrilling.
1: Yeah. So just business man. Yeah, this is uh I I'm not exactly sure and it's never been talked about, but I, I th- not like in terms of realistically, I haven't heard it at least. But I don't necessarily know if this is based on one specific or if this is more of just a general collection of different things that people thought about and did during this, this time. And uh it, it does make sense and it makes this kind of a weird non fictional slash fictional story uh and it's just kind of a, a strange place for that, but all of these films that have been about this really are you know they are fact but at the same time there's obviously liberties taken all over the place with all of these uh two thousand eight mortgage crisis films I
2: know that uh jeremy Iron's character I think his uh name is told his his last yeah. name yeah he's actually it's supposed to be maybe a con uh, a coincidence that he also kind of shares a similar last name to an actual like high ranking, like CEO of one of those banks who actually like did go under, like during that time who tried to offload their own things. And the actual, uh, firm itself is actually never named in the film. So yeah. it really is just more of a, an amalgam of just the, the general shiftiness of people who actually knew what was going to happen. So. Yeah. Um, and it's,
1: uh, interesting the way that it flows through and, um, if you guys don't mind i'll start us off is, go for it uh, i saw this film for the first time about three years ago uh this used to be a staple on netflix and it has since uh departed but this is just a film that i believe is compulsively watchable uh which i don't know, know if you could say that about other financial thrillers um there's so many different characters here that interweave throughout the story, and then for me, it always keeps the story pretty fresh throughout. And this is a, uh, also a narrative that follows a very short time span. So we start at the end of one day and end. Oh, well, we technically end at the end of another day, but we really end at the beginning of the next day. Uh, and then the actually the end is more of like the end of the climax slash denouement of the film. Uh, I just really enjoy, A, the actors who show up here, except for Demi Moore. She's terrible. Oh. Um, well, I mean, she's just not that good. Like, it, I, It's I, kind of fitting that you would say
2: that because, is... because, because her character is the one who gets the the shit end of the stick in the well, end. Oh, a lot of Are them. Are you
1: saying she's
0: not good in general or is she not going to miss Um, I,
1: I, I think mo- more than anything, I just feel like she was miscast here and it seemed... Like, she wasn't really sure. on the same... Pick on a leading woman. Well, she
2: that did. is fine. You just think that she didn't have much to offer in the role that she had? and not
0: Pretty a, much. Yeah. Uh, what I've, more could she have offered?
1: Oh, you are an asshole. <laughs> I, <sighs> she just, like, uh, I just didn't feel like First she... First of all, I'm sorry, but I am only demi-joking.
0: Cause it's like Demi. I get
2: it. I, I get it was a really good try. Should just let it roll,
1: man. <laughs> anyway. I, 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 I just <laughs> thought that she was, she, I've always thought that she was the person who stood out in a bad way in this uh, cast that I actually think is really good. Um, but uh, two of my favorite actors of all time are here in Stanley Tucci and Jeremy Irons, both putting on pretty solid performances. Jeremy Irons' character is a—it's a little bizarre the way he goes throughout, but he does by far have the best line of the film for me when he's talking to Zachary Quinto and he says something to the tune of, "Speak to me as if you were speaking to a small child, <laughs>
2: something like that, or, or a golden retriever." Either <laughs> <like, laughs> no
0: dogs die. <laughs> oh God. Okay.
2: Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> and then, in this movie's universe. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That dog, that poor dog. So y- yes, yes. Um,
1: <laughs> God, <laughs> I don't know. It's just
2: <laughs> Whew. The, so, house, the housing market crashed and the dog died. i <laughs>
1: am um, so a dog? I, I I really just kind of like a lot of this film. I, I I guess I don't have too much to that I that I can say that I that this movie does that is new or different than I've seen before in these kind of films. I just feel like the story and the events that happen between all of the characters and the way that the characters interweave throughout the story and with each other is there are a lot of people who have uh, scenes where it's a two person, um, almost like a just two person discussion scene that happens over and over again, switching off between characters and it just keeps it interesting for me, and keeps the movie uh, flowing throughout. And I, I just, um, I just really like it. And I, I guess that's the thing is that I don't have a lot of deep thoughts about, especially on the, just on the
2: broad the topic kind of, itself. Like, yeah. yeah,
1: like I, I know what this film is about. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, I know the time period. I, I, I can see that these people are all uh, just as greedy as the the next s- stock market. Mm-hmm uh trader whatever but it, it's it's just interesting to see them getting the inside track and then dumping all of their toxic waste off on other people and they're pretty much being no repercussions other than losing a lot of money yeah. at the same time and so. losing
2: the respect of their their peers and well, their yeah. customers and stuff like that but they're just gonna forget in a couple of years oh come on we'll change the name
1: of it yeah it's yeah. Just- but yeah, this the the my enjoyment of this film is driven uh, primarily by the performances here, which I feel like are uh, above and beyond what I would usually expect from a film like this. Even people like Zachary Quinno, who I don't think is that great here, I think at least puts on a decent performance. Yeah. Um, he, he I don't necessarily know if he's made for dramatic roles, but I like seeing him here because I thought it was fresh compared to other things I've seen him in previously, mainly Star Trek. Uh, but yeah. Paul Bettany, uh, also Stanley Tucci, uh, Jeremy Irons, even Simon Baker, who isn't the best, obviously, as his career has kind of fallen by the wayside after The Mentalist. But, um, yeah, I just think everyone's pretty good, and I enjoy the, enjoy the script for the most part, and enjoy the story, and obviously enjoy the acting. And, um, yeah, this is just a good movie that I if it's on, we'll always sit down and watch. So hmm. that's my feelings just to start off with, and I'll pass it on to whoever wants to go next.
2: I'll go next. Okay. I, um, I had never heard of this film before, um, before Alex, uh, recommended it to us. And I got to say that I really enjoyed, it. I could totally see where you're coming from Alex when saying that's compulsively watchable because I just had a blast. Like I rewatched it today. Now, not just because, well, when we watched it, um, there were a couple of, glitches with the actual copy that we had that like some of the the most tense like dramatic moments especially like the ending encounter between uh kevin spacey and his wife uh in his old yards like that started like clipping so i didn't, wasn't able to like really see the portent behind that but going back and watching that i was like holy fucking shit because like he's basically just talking about why his his life sucks and why like like the dog died and like and everything that happened at work and his wife is just basically telling us like there there was a previous conversation where he's like, I didn't even bother to tell my son about this and, like, what his son does. And he does the same exact job that, that Kevin Spacey does. And he's like, you know, the market just took a really bad hit. And it's just like, you know, we'll bounce back from it. And then she just goes back inside and he goes back to trying to bury the dog in, in the fucking ground. And then it just, like, smash cuts the black. And I was like, oh, my God. This is just so fucked. This is Oh man, uh oh, the dog is the housing market. <laughs> um I, I, I love this film. I thought Jerry, Jeremy Irons was was terrific. Um one thing that I, I think that doesn't really get a a lot of notice is the actual camera work. And it's like it's, it's a lot of static shots because it's a lot of conversations, but there's one shot that Jumps out to me with Stanley Tucci's character Eric, who is fired at the beginning. He's the the boss of Zachary Quino's character. He goes out to the lobby and he sees Demi Moore's character Sarah, who is like the risk management officer there. And he's like, "Did you shut off my phone?" And he's like, "I'm sorry, it just happened." it's like, "Fuck you!" And then he go- walks back, and it's like a uh, a level like back shot of him he throws his phone and then it just like jumps cut to like an, like a high angle overhead of him. And then it just like goes back to being like a level shot. I thought that was really interesting.
1: There are a couple uh, shots throughout the film, that I absolutely love. Um, I do like a lot, not necessarily even the camera work, but more the actions of of the performers themselves on camera. So Mm -hmm. it it says a lot about the way that they block the scene and also that they just place the camera in the scene. Yeah. uh, So that, Is important as as per usual. I'd be curious to know
0: if like the majority of the action on screen, as far as just the idle action, is like improvised, or uh, I I imagine it can't be like literally improvised because it's not like a study cam or something Mm -hmm. like that. But if if they had the freedom during rehearsal or something like that to kind of map it out themselves per character, or if it was meticulously constructed, either way, it
1: looked good. Yeah. The 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 two scenes I'm going to mention. The one is. uh, with Penn Badgley's character, who is crying in the bathroom, and uh, after Simon Baker comes in and starts shaving in in the bathroom, and then Pen Badgley basically says something about how he's going to be fired, and he or he even specifically that he's going to be fired by Simon Baker's character. He then walks out and Simon Baker pretty much just continues shaving as if nothing is happening. Mm-hmm. And then like offers like a, like a brief glimpse back at the door and then continues to go on without even like moving his face. And that's just, it's just like stoic and creepy and, and just it, it brings more into like, it's like, it's not just him, like not paying attention. Like he does have that like slight glimpse at the door when he, after he leaves. Yeah. But the, the, the shot I, di- I was going to bring it up when we were watching it. And I don't know why I didn't, but there's something about the shot of uh, Kevin Spacey and Zachary Quinto's character just sort of creepily standing on the escalators, riding up towards the end of the film and then, and then getting off. And it's just, they're not riding next to each other. They're like, probably like five or six steps behind each other. There's, mm. There's no movement. They're like pretty much slowly moving towards their death as they're going up yeah. this escalator. There's no No need to hurry. Yes, there's no interest <laughs> no need in, to hurry. <laughs> in going any faster than the escalator will allow. And they just look almost like coat hangers just going up there, just standing completely still. And it's it's uh it's kind of kind of eerie in that scene, and it's just rising towards impending doom. Even even if that's the thing. Like even if all these people accomplish their goals they're going to be huge losers
2: so it's 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 uh it's a really weird spot i think uh the character that i had the most sympathy for well besides zachary quino because he just seems to be a uh he's not a kid but he's a kid relative to everybody else in the room and And yet he's the biggest winner here
1: because he he ends up getting a promotion
2: out of this he he does and it's just like (laughs) i don't think he he's 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 the only one who i think besides Kevin Spacey's character who sees the ramifications of what you've actually discovered and is like, oh man, we like we gotta like bring this to like the the top brass. Like they gotta know about this. And it's like what are we gonna do? It's like, well, we're going to sell off all of our toxic assets to everyone before they find out, and then we're going to incur the least amount of loss possible. And it's like okay <laughs> Um Kevin Spacey seems to be the only one who actually has the uh, the the seniority and and or the balls or or, or the gumption to actually stand up to uh, Jeremy Irons' character and say this is wrong and they're like you shouldn't be doing this and it, he actually has to like when, when when he gives the final speech to his team and basically says like you know if you do this you will get like this bonus like you will you will have this money that will insulate you for at least a couple of months right but well, you
1: not, will not a couple of months. I mean they end yeah. up each making like. Two and a half million dollars yeah. because they're but not going to be able to get jobs anymore yeah, in
2: you, this industry. You will effectively end your career. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like,
1: Kevin
0: Spacey is essentially just uh, Fowl standing in front of them saying yeah. that this is how you can continue. Otherwise, you can take the moral high road and go live in poverty.
2: Have nothing. Yeah, that, that's – fuck. That's, that's hard. Um, but I, I really enjoyed this movie. I I would definitely watch it again. So, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't uh I don't necessarily disagree with anything that anybody's said so far on this podcast. I, I will say a few things about this movie before I give it my opinion, which is that I love movies that are dialogue heavy. I love movies that are set in a short time period. I love movies that are primarily set in one location. Oh my god. So by this very, you know, uh framework I should love Margin Call. I mean, obviously that's just You should love anything, but you never know when you actually watch it or whatever. But those three things. Yeah, this is your bread and butter right here. Speaking my language. (laughs) That said, I was a little surprised that I came out of Margin Call a little lukewarm. I pretty much don't dislike many or any aspects of it, but I never really rose to a level that kept me uh, engaged with the actual content of the film. I was kind of appreciating it without truly... uh, Enjoying it. Uh, one thing, a few things that I'll praise about it, though, is that uh, you guys were talking about the camera work. My favorite aspect of the visual style of this movie was actually the lighting. Uh, I love that, like especially in some of the cityscapes and whatnot. The lighting seemed to be almost oversaturated, particularly when they're under actual like light fixtures, whether it be in a parking garage or a downtown area when they're driving. And uh, you know, and I kind of actually love the thematic resonance of that. Uh, to borrow a quote from the mountain goats that the the warning lights are bright and garish you know and it's all around them and yet they're still kind of you know until this day it's finally hitting (laughs) them in their retinas like they can't look away type thing so I kind of I love that kind of visual color scheme of the movie Um, and uh, I do think that the performances uh, across the board are pretty much great I mean um, especially two actors in particular for me, which were, uh, Kevin Spacey and Paul
1: Bettany. I always loved Stanley Tucci, but he's not really in this too yeah, much. he's more um, of a, I mean, him and, him and, uh, there's a couple other people who are in this who just barely yeah. show up, even though they're, get top, yeah. sort of top billing. I mean, so. Well used, but, uh, yeah. but. Not enough to really like for except for on. his incredible uh, bridge
0: speech, which I yeah. always love the bridge speech is good, I will admit, yeah, um, but inside it all, I was kind of left with a little i don 't know uh, hollow feeling as to why I should watch this movie because that 's kind that's of a... important man <laughs> well no, but I, I always kind of like like am i being, if i 'm not being entertained by it, am I being informed by it? Uh, if I'm not being informed by, you know, kind of go down the food chain as to what I can get out of this movie. For me, I wasn't particularly entertained by it other than just as another example of what the medium can do. I mean, because I'm pretty much always entertained by any movie, whether it's horrible or fantastic. Um, but yeah, it, it does suffer from my perspective having only just seen it now in 2016 for the first time uh from the wealth of uh, media properties that we've seen uh deal with the same subject and it kind of has the rights that it you know did it first in cinema at least um even though that's not even technically true i think the company men came out before and i saw that when that came out so uh but first or not first but Also, getting somewhere first never means that it's actually worthy. It's not a racist, you know, whatever. um, And if you are smarter or you cheat, you could also do it well. Ah, look at you. Uh, That's the tagline. (laughs) So (laughs) I, I, I left wondering this movie because of the fact that there have been similar movies. Made about whether it be the housing market or even just a financial institution in general, and I've been kind of I've been wrestling in my head like what I liked about other movies that dealt with similar subject matter, and for me, I, what I the the reason why I came away from Margin Call somewhat lukewarm is because its focus is so heavily on uh, the problem at hand, which is not a bad thing, but. Uh, For me, at least, then that means characters aren't as nuanced uh, for me to truly enjoy in like, a a dramatic level as to the fates of them or something like that. Because this movie is clearly wrestling with a problem that...
2: A high-level concept. Right. But that goes over most of the heads of of people for whom it actually affects, myself included. And so it's hard to, like, really part... Like, when you have a film like... The Wolf of Wall Street that literally has to have asides with with celebrity cameos in order to... You're talking talking about the big short. Fuck, I'm sorry. Damn it.
0: You don't have to apologize to me. How did I... You have to apologize to our listeners.
2: Oh, my God. I'm so sorry, listeners. How did I mix that up? Damn. Okay. Well, I mean, they are they both... Margot Robbie. And both. Well, she is, they, and they both I guess do it.
1: involve financial
2: scheming. In, Those are
1: the two <laughs> movies that was going to bring up today. in the big
2: <laughs> short when it actually has to have like celebrity asides to explain these these high level concepts to people. It's, like you have to like package them in in this sort of like off in the way.
0: Yeah. and this movie is certainly not interested at all in explaining
1: what's happening. Like, in fact, it keeps it quite vague slash right. ambiguous. Every throughout. time
0: like they look at a screen, we don't get to see the screen. Every time they kind of. Mentioned thing they used, uh, those you know, very
1: uh, mumbo, <laughs> mumbo jumbo convoluted terms, terms yeah. to, Yeah, and there was that also that one scene where uh, Adam Driver cracks the code and we don't uh, find anything out about it. So yeah. that's good. I mean, we could have uh, just like because midnight, yeah, we could have just zoomed in, in, in on show.
2: a uh, on an Excel spreadsheet and be like, midnight
1: oh special. my god, what did I say? Midnight Express, you did, it was a good track, midnight yeah. special, but about Excel spreadsheets.
2: I mean, you you said that they never actually showed the screen. Is like, what what could they actually portray no, on no. the screen? That
0: I'm I'm, I'm just saying, like, the sh- that's the shorthand for how this movie is not interested in yeah. trying to explain what's happening, and whatnot. So that's why I'm just like, I didn't know, not I didn't know, but I I just as much as I enjoyed it, just like you said, Alex, is compulsively watchable. This movie left me with nothing. To, this movie gave me no context to understand the larger situation at hand and i didn't find these characters compelling enough to truly get anything out of them from a dramatic uh, level like I, I enjoyed watching it at the bare minimum but this there's just a hollow center here that i just couldn't shake i think jc chander uh was k- kind of has seen maybe like has been influenced somewhat by like uh uh, Steven Soderbergh or something, you know, because this reminded me of the way that Soderbergh uh, tries to explore the war on drugs and traffic. Now, I know that's a bigger scope; it's not one night, but the way—can
2: <laughs> you imagine a movie about the war
0: on drugs? We're Is gonna it? win the war tonight. It'd be Sicario. <laughs> <Yes. Pretty laughs> oh God. Um, but the way that like he does that with that movie or Contagion with a viral signet, whatever, and how these ensemble pieces, but like those movies because the scope is so big, I I feel like I get some at least some more out of like the situation at hand. I don't know. I just well, feel like it balanced – the the balance between character work here and the vague, vague, vague uh, context we're supposed to have about the housing market. In fact, I wouldn't. I would barely even know that this was about the housing market if I didn't well, know this was about the housing market.
1: In fact, there's only really one moment when it, it becomes abundantly clear what they're talking about, right. <clears throat> when Zachary Quinno is trying to attempt to talk about the dumbed down term of it uh, with Jeremy Irons and the rest of the board during their 3 a.m. meeting, where he says basically these are mortgages. Like that's. That's the only time that I feel like it's even clued in, uh, in you know layman's terms, what right. they're talking about. Yeah.
0: And there's a few asides where people say he just bought a house, which is supposed to be dramatic irony and whatnot. Yeah. And um, yeah, there, it's just I guess the other thing I'll point out before I'll throw it back to you guys is that as far as why maybe I didn't latch on to it, uh, is that I, I guess I would have preferred the script to be written by someone. And this is going to sound silly, but... I feel like the the kind of person that can make a script like this work is the kind of person that should know how to write comedy. Not because the film itself should be a comedy, but you have to have a way with words and a, and a certain impeccable timing like Aaron Sorkin or uh, David Mamet, where you can truly, I don't know, like just f- f- slay these characters alive and just kind of... I, I It never felt too tense, and it never felt like it was anything other than people... Having a bad day at work and one that I didn't really care. You know, it's like when you're, you you know, you have a significant other come home and they want to tell you about their day at work and you're just like, fuck, shut up. This is the most boring story ever because it's not your day at work and you don't care. Wow. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I guess those are my thoughts.
1: (laughs) Um, Oh, my God. I'll I'll say this about the film that I feel like uh, it at least gives the story. Some sort of base for for what it 's trying to do and make it relatable to to people, especially in two thousand and eleven, where I feel like if you watch this film in that time period, which was still knee deep in that kind of recession era, I feel like this would be something that would be easier to latch onto to because uh when this film did come out, which actually was it very early in two thousand and eleven at the sundance film festival i mean you're you're 2 years removed only from this event actually occurring um so at the time unlike where we are now in 2016 like i feel like it's still there still were a lot of questions that people had uh that there were not broad answers given by other forms of the media even if people knew they hadn't seen deeper stories like the big short or stuff like that, that have delved deeper. And and another thing that I will say about the story, even though I do think that of all these films, uh, other than the Wolf of Wall Street, which is a completely different animal than any of these financial thriller type films. um, I enjoy this one the most specifically because I do like how singly focused it is. Uh, I like how it only is concerned about the matter at hand uh, about what the characters are going to do. And I think that says a lot about the story, is that no one is really thinking about their careers or their lives or other people. All the focus is on protecting this company who all these people are employed for and and at what cost. Because it, it, as we see here, all you have to do is tell uh, day traders that they're going to make a million to $2.5 million if they accomplish this task. I mean,
2: like... How much is your soul worth?
1: Well, like, like, honestly, though, if you were talking to just German people who were not, didn't know much about becoming Nazis and were just like, hey, you are all going to be fucking filthy rich if you just do this. I mean, if you don't really... (laughs) At the time, if you don't really know better, and I think another part of it, too is that it's hard for us living in 2016 to truly grasp uh, the situation with all of these people because for the most part you know things are going well for them at the time like mm-hmm. even though they've just fired all these other people as we see at the very they're beginning survivors. of They're survivors. they're survivors a and they they don't live in a world where the mortgage crisis happened like they are they are what a life what well, <laughs> Well, this is an unprecedented moment for them because they obviously no one had lived through the stock market crash who is trading these stocks. They are just people who showed up and just were told, hey, if you do this uh, in the next eight hours, we're going to give you a check for $2.6 million. And it's just it's 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 really something um, I, I will say that even though it isn't a horrible part of the film to me, and I guess you just kind of have to go through it. I find it a little a, a little hard to grasp hard on to the fact that the major action of this film is played out in a uh, minute and a half montage where all the stock is getting sold off, pretty much only by Paul Bettany. And I get that it's it's not really the crux of the story, but. It's you know, not, but that was—I will admit—the the part I was most
0: fascinated by. Okay. That was the first time where I was finally, at least for me, the the the, the weight of the situation was at least starting to show uh, shades of moral uh, complexity, mm-hmm. uh, mostly in one sh- shade of gray yeah. from <laughs> for, from my perspective, at least. But that was when it—you know—like I would have liked a little bit more of the. Uh, I don't know. i am just that whole situation uh because i felt like before that it's a lot of talking and yet it's also a like the film clearly showed there's a chain of command that was always going to essentially do what it wanted to do so there was no real tension there like i I was more tense by them having to uncomfortably uh sell off these shares with with their peers and try to pretend like nothing's happening
1: and especially later in the day where they're selling things for like 65 cents on the
2: dollar Mm -hmm. and they're
1: like oh we're gonna lose 100 million dollars on this and they're like i don't give a shit get that shit off our books
2: (laughs) i i thought now that you you mentioned that nick that that is actually really a, a fascinating scene um not only because it's a the emotional crux it's like the emotional like tipping point of like where it's like okay they're finally going to go through with this you it in in the course of a minute it goes from i was like oh man what a great deal to fuck you i know what you're doing right now yep. and it, it says something that that scene is compressed within a time lapse of the actual city itself so you see how the actual day is is, is moving on and you know from having watched the film and you know, having already knew, knew the the actual like reference from real life of what actually happened that there has been a seismic shift in the world, and yet within that time lapse, you see that the world on its surface doesn't look like it's changed, but you know that something irrevocably has happened that that will have so much impact on so many people yeah it's uh yeah. It, it's a really good scene
0: I will say this movie did lose one point for me because of the fact that before the movie started in my head, not out loud to you guys, but I'm like. Do not have a character do the whole. These people have no idea what's coming. Speech uh, and Zachary Quinto gives it in the car, and I'm like, no, <laughs> you had one thing. Yeah. I, I mean, not yes. like a true deal breaker or whatever, yeah, I but mean, I was just so pissed that like I thought of that before the movie even started, and, and there it was for you. And it wasn't even like subtle; it was just like he's like, I don't, he looks like uh, I, I don't even know, but like. Just Spock? No, he doesn't. Uh, what a <laughs> But just I don't know. But he, it's just so mopey in that cab, right? And it looks like Sylvia Plath or something. It's just like, oh, these people have no idea. They will be better off in an oven. Like, it's uh, I'm just saying like it, it's just so so melodramatic for a movie that's really not. So. Yeah, anyway. yeah.
1: I mean, there are some there are some scenes of this film that are really not good. Uh, the scene with uh, Zachary Quinno and Penn Badgley in the strip club makes no sense to yeah. me. Uh, <laughs> they oh, live the high life, man. I, for, uh, I, okay. I forgot about that. Wait, that the movie?
0: Like, I'm genuinely asking. Movie. No, no, no. <laughs> is that the movie trying to like show that these guys have empty lives? So, like, on their break, they go to a like. I just did not understand that yeah. at
1: all. Uh, that and the scene when uh, Will Emerson, who is Paul Bettany's character, is like thinking about committing suicide like it's laid out that was that was oh, yeah, forgot about that, yeah that whole a lot of those scenes uh that involve zachary Quinno, Penn badgley and will emerson uh dream team. paul bettany yeah those were some of the worst scenes of the film for I, me I see that yeah. i like when they're eating breakfast yeah but
2: they look tasty yeah uh, no, do you it, want something? I was like, no, I don't want anything.
1: I, I, I found a lot of those scenes rather unfulfilling and kind of, you know, over the top. Like, oh, he's thinking about committing suicide because of this change in his life. Like, we we haven't heard this before.
0: Just do it already.
1: Wow. Um,
0: I got to say, one of my favorite scenes, though, mm-hmm. you know, heap some uh, praise here, uh, is, if not my favorite scene... Uh, the scene in which Zachary Quinto's character goes out to Kevin Spacey in the morning after, before the whole day starts and whatnot, and I just like Kevin Spacey's You don't have to be here, you know. <laughs> and like it's and he's telling the truth, like he's not like just trying to be nice or something. It's kinda like two guys that well not two guys, but he kinda wants to be alone and um yet they're the only two guys that are probably morally conscious about what's happening. Um Maybe not the only two, but uh, they're on the same wavelength, at least. Uh, I don't know. I just like that quiet, understated scene between
2: the two of them.
1: Do you think that Kevin Spacey was solely cast to have his two monologues here? Because that's the feel I get. I
2: could see that. He's yeah. a... He's a dramatic actor. It like,
0: certainly seemed like he uh, like uh, JC Chandor wanted Kevin Spacey to come and take Alec Baldwin's role <laughs> from him in yeah. Gwen Gary Gwen Ross. Yeah, I was waiting for him to say copies for closers. <laughs> Might
2: as well. Yeah.
1: I mean though the two monologues, the short one towards the beginning and then the, the bigger one at the end of the film seem like the only times that Kevin Spacey is actually giving what he gives as a performer to this film. The other times, he's just kind of there. Not that he's bad or anything like that, but he's just kind of doing whatever the...
2: What, you didn't feel the the pathos coming off of him when he said, My dog's dying. I don't know what to do. We spent thousand dollars keeping alive. Also, I want to Maybe.
0: apologize to both oh. of you uh, for the numerous housing market jokes. Dude, thing. are you
2: kidding me? That's actually—I I was actually going to say that if you can watch this film with a couple of like snarky film critics, you should because it was so much fun for I, all those people who hang out with snarky film critics. Yeah. yeah. Although
1: I guess now with Twitter, everyone's a film critic, right? It's if yeah.
0: we—if uh, we finally get around to doing uh what we've said we might do one day which is uh, film tank commentaries we'll do one for margin call and I will make sure to make all my numerous housing market jokes where I just do a stupid <laughs> running gag of how the housing market is a tangible place that they all go to <laughs>
1: <laughs> quick to the housing market oh no it's collapsing <laughs> it sounds like something like robin from uh yeah. we'd be like quick batman to the ta- to the housing market
2: oh we got to do one for batman begins too Bruce your heart hard. Get- yeah. oh boy <laughs> yeah
1: We got a lot on the docket. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, other thoughts on, on Margin Call is I really don't think that this is a film that has that much to discuss in depth. This is those more, for me, just a film that I really wanted you to do. Definitely not watch. as
0: much as uh, the film
1: that we're going to be doing next week. Well, well, we'll get to that in a few minutes when <laughs> we, we, we discuss... Some I just wanted to say be. that
0: so that way when the listeners get to Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> when we, uh, when we <laughs> They'll te- agree with me. When we tease what we're going to be talking about in episode 81, that'll, that'll be a lot of fun. Um, but I'm the, trying to think. I, I was just going to um, do my final thoughts, if oh, that's okay. Yeah. Unless, Go for it. Because um, I, I was going to say, I don't, I don't necessarily know if this is... Uh, a film that we were ever going to have a, a long, drawn-out discussion on. But I just think that this is a, a very interesting film that is only interested in the one idea of presenting this this night of of decisions that are made that really actually aren't decisions. They were pretty much predetermined survival tactics taken by... Uh, a group that is the protect the protect the business at all costs, uh, no no matter what happens, uh, protect the brand. Uh, you know th- this is the kind of thing that any other major corporation you would feel would probably do. It's
2: a weird way to protect a brand by selling your own name, but also by insulating yourself from financial.
0: Yeah, it's weird blowback. too. In in this film, their brand is crisis. <sighs> Anyway,
1: so, um, yes, uh, I feel like like major yes. companies, corporations, whatever, if they hit something where they needed to needed to sell off something to survive, they would. And uh, this is just an interesting jump into that. And uh really where this film makes its money huh, for me uh is the is the actors and the characters that are, are brought in this film uh the the screen uh, is filled with conversations throughout mostly between two or sometimes three characters and it's kept very um personal and in private throughout even when it's uh, involving characters who don't really have many past relationships so uh it's it's an interesting uh part of the film uh, however, there are definitely weak points here, um, probably things that I give more passes on, just because I like uh, the way this film flows, and I like the way uh, the actors play the characters here, but like, there are things like the, the ongoing discussion between Demi Moore and uh, Simon Baker, and also Jeremy Irons gets involved, where, like, oh, we tried to warn you about this years ago, and it's like, yeah, okay, like get it but you guys could have done this storyline better if you were going to do it not just half right it's it.
0: kind of a not afterthought but it's, yeah. it's a little too subjugated to its own place
1: agreed but again yeah. uh, as i've said uh, quite a few times uh jeremy irons stanley tucci zachary quinto even kevin spacey paul bettany I'll put in a wonderful performances here in a, in a film that is just fun to watch and is a is a nice 2-hour financial thriller film that um I think uh, keeps me interested throughout and uh definitely makes me think about what uh people would do uh if if their business was uh, threatened in any way shape or form because I think it's easy to say oh well in my personal life I would never do any, you know these kind of horrible things but when you're thinking about a job, you're not thinking of yourself as a person. You're thinking of yourself as an employee, mm-hmm. which is kind of a, a weird, uh, a, a weird way to look at uh, the way people operate in but their lives. Corporations
2: are people, man. Uh huh. Yeah.
1: So yeah, four out of five for me for Margin Call, is I am a really big fan. I've seen it five times all the way through now, and I yeah. will I'll continue to watch it because it's a it's a very good film, yeah. and I highly it. Moving on to Dusán.
2: Yeah, I think that the the core purpose of this film is to pretty much build on the wake of the 2008 financial crisis and try to dramatize this entire um event that actually happened as like and just kind of like encapsulate within one night. And I think it did a terrific job of that. I think that the actors who really did show up in here were Zachary Quino, um Kevin Spacey, Paul Bettany, uh Stanley Tucci even though he was absent for for the the greater um like middle part and bulk of the the film like he was only really present in the the beginning and like the the penultimate end like i really enjoyed his presence overall in the film at all um i i thought this was a really good movie i i wanted to go see it again and i probably will watch it a second time i can totally agree with alex that this is compulsively watchable and even if it doesn't really do much to necessarily elucidate the the circumstances that actually led up to the 2008 financial crisis it's still entertaining drama nonetheless and it really is something that i enjoyed at least if not seeing but also seeing with with alex and with nick like it was a really good time so yeah i give it a three out of five
0: I'd give it a two and a half out of five It's Mm -hmm. right down the middle for me I I really don't have much against it But it never really lulled me into its uh, tractor beam (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's definitely got good performances I recommend it even though it just didn't necessarily work for me Um, So yeah, even though I don't really see the value in it I'd still buy it for a dollar Oh, that's cute. Why was there a
1: RoboCop reference? Is there, is There's this is a... always a Paul Verhoeven reference. Uh, yeah,
2: always. I wouldn't buy that for a dollar.
1: <laughs> <laughs> With the RoboCop
2: remake. RoboCrap.
1: Yeah, because the thought that. line that... he s-
0: said he wouldn't. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> funny story about that, because that line is actually delivered by Jackie Earl Haley, uh, and he would go on to play Freddy Krueger in the remake... Where are you going with this? (laughs) Of Nightmare on Elm Street. And since we're getting closer to uh, October and Halloween, or spooky time as Tucson wants to call it, uh, we're going to do more horror and actual horror films uh, coming up later in October. I don't know if we'll do one every single week of, of October, but we'll probably do at least two or three in the month of October uh one film that uh is not a good movie. <laughs> uh but is is definitely Whoa. a uh an Don't int-
0: put that in my head. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Oh.
1: uh-huh is an interesting little film is from uh 2003. Uh and that is uh the l- last time I believe that Robert England played Freddy Krueger yep. and that was Freddy versus Jason. Oh yeah. Um 2 it- Titans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is gonna g- win. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this is uh, definitely a film that was made completely attempting to uh, make money off of uh, two separate brands, uh, putting them together. You know, some person sitting in a room somewhere saying, what's the way we could cash in off of a previously popular uh, brand in, in this genre? let's just throw Freddy vs. Jason in there. That sounds good. Like, for real, this is... I'm glad they did. Well, and this is is pretty much quintessential horror movie filmmaking right here of just throw things at the screen that people have heard of and have somewhat been successful before and see if people will go to see it doesn't even have to even be close to good it just has to be there <laughs> so. now can I ask since you've seen it yes do you know maybe you don't know because
0: maybe you don't remember because I know you haven't seen it yeah, I saw the theater right uh,
1: so it's been 13 years can it's, you at least
0: tell me as someone who hasn't seen it if you know or remember is this Freddy going into a Jason world or that a Jason going into Freddie's world or doesn't, I mean, I'm sure the doesn't worlds really, collide. I, I'm sure continuity doesn't actually get followed here but I'm curious if
1: the movie is truly one person's film over the other
0: but, um, or maybe that'll be a question we'll dive yeah, into. Yeah, boy,
1: I just okay. I've got to be told honest I don't really remember exactly. I'm a little shocked because I've heard a lot of great things about this movie, but it, uh, um, I will say this uh, although it does not necessarily start off this way uh there is definitely a hero and a villain here oh. uh, as it as it plays out, so there is somebody that the audience is supposed to be somewhat rooting for by the end of the film that's awesome. It should be really easy to kind of figure out who that is I would assume so yeah, <laughs> but uh that doesn't necessarily take away from from the fact that it is uh an interesting subvert from what the, the uh this character has previously been in the genre uh prior so yeah this is a uh this is a really goofy stupid pretty funny uh bad horror movie uh that was completely made to just exploit the genre and all its glory and it pretty much accomplished all of its goals other than being successful um and I, I have to say I remember seeing this in a full theater uh there's quite an interesting array of performers here, including uh Jason Ritter. Uh, also showing up here. Where is he? Uh, I'm trying to remember his name. Where is he? Well, I'm looking through the list. Like, Get in here. There's like, there's like, there's another person who shows up that's somewhat uh, recognizable, but I can't remember who who it was right now. And also, uh, Kelly Rowland uh, from Destiny's Child.
0: Almost uh, a popper.
1: Yeah. I'm gonna make it. Uh, she uh, plays uh, one of the. Uh, I don't know if she's a teenager or she's just one of the characters who ends up being sought after by freddy and jason in this film but there is a Those award yeah. an award-winning line delivered by freddy krueger towards her in this movie and then she in turn delivers an award-winning line to him uh and it is just quite a collection So we will definitely get into that and into the rest of the film next week uh, as that should be quite the fun episode. If you have any thoughts on Freddy versus Jason or Margin Call, (laughs) quite the interesting little difference there, you can always send them on to us at FilmTankShow at gmail.com or you could find us on our website FilmTankShow.com or on iTunes or Stitcher where you can find all of our episodes and you can find us on social media as well at FilmTankShow.com on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So from Nick Cheney to Zot Egan and myself, Alex Diegman, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Film Tank, and we will catch up with you next time.